Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to the program. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm so delighted that you've decided to join us. Here we are in a new month, and I thought that, you know, a new month means change. So, instead of talking about all of these wonderful gardening topics, they're getting old, aren't they? I think from now on, we are going to talk all about politics and sports. How about that? That'll be an interesting topic. So we're transitioning the content of this program on New Southern Garden. And we're going to be talking about politics and sports. I'm just kidding. Happy April Fools. I have no interest in talking about politics or sports. Those things are all fleeting. (laughs) But gardening is forever. So happy first day of April. Welcome to the month of April in this year, 2023. Whenever we get to April, we really start to feel like it is spring. And you know the old saying, there's an old saying, April showers bring May flowers. Uh, I mean, hopefully we'll get some dependable rain this month. We need some, but I have to say, deep down inside, I... I would like to have reasonable rain, but plenty of sunny days, days that we can uh, enjoy being outdoors, not worried, (laughs) not worried about all of the showers. Maybe they'll happen overnight. That way, when we wake up in the morning, our gardens will be refreshed, reinvigorated with moisture. Our plants that we've just planted will have everything they need. And then we'll have nice days to play with. But no matter what comes, you know, we talk about the weather here all the time, uh, particularly over winter when things are (laughs) questionable. We had a rough winter. We talked about it many times. As a matter of fact, I heard through the grapevine that Glenn Burns, remember the meteorologist, who's really a historical figure in Atlanta. (laughs) He was on... Uh, television growing up and well before I was born but he said in all of my I don't know 60 years of doing meteorology this person told me he had said on social media somewhere that this was the worst winter he's ever uh, had to report on or be a part of or experience or whatever he's doing nowadays Uh, so you know we did have a strange situation with the weather over winter but weather goes hand in hand with our gardens uh, and, and, and as we go into spring, as we go into summer, it's going to be another situation. It is going to be about moisture. It is going to be about rainfall or the lack of. I mean, I always anticipate and hope for a great uh, rainfall here and there. Every uh, new growing season, I'm thinking and hopeful and, of course, praying uh, that we don't have to supply our plants with a lot of extra moisture. Because it's just extra work, extra effort, and of course, 
there is nothing, just like my grandpa said. You know, you can water your plants with a hose, with the city water, with well water, and that's great, but there's something about rainfall. There is something about rainfall, and it is true. Certain nutrition, certain nutrients that plants need can come from the atmosphere through rainfall. We talked about that not too long ago on this program uh, with sulfur. Sulfur was a Uh, is a micronutrient. Plants need it, but they don't need lots of it. That's why it's called micronutrient. And of course, um, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago or so, we used to have ample amounts of sulfur, but then we started becoming deficient as we started to turn around pollution and polluting the air in particular, the atmosphere. And so now in some areas, there's a need for sulfur to be added. So it is amazing what all rain and moisture can do for us, what all rainfall can do. Uh, it's something that we need and we hope for, we pray for. But I do hope that we have plenty of nice days so you can get out in your landscapes, get started growing and uh, building those landscapes of your dreams, those gardens of your dreams. Remember, a garden can be as simple as a pot of marigolds on the porch. That can be a garden. So whether you have 100 acres or a 100-square-foot patio or 10-square-foot patio, it doesn't matter how big it is, as long as you are creating the sense of place for you, for you in particular, you're the only person that really matters when it comes to the garden, to your own garden. So remember that as we go into this uh, new springtime, So we go into this new month, and this month is going to be full of all kind of flowers and blooms and plants, and you're going to be going shopping, going to local garden centers and nurseries, getting the ideas and excited about certain things. Hopefully, you'll have plenty of impulse buys. I do love uh, impulse buys when it comes to gardening and plants, because if you see something, just one thing that you weren't expecting to buy, but it really catches your eye then it's definitely worth impulsing and giving that plant a go in your landscape. So with all that being said, just remember that we are trying to create these places that are harmonious and balanced, places that we can enjoy being in and amongst. Sometimes we just look at our landscapes as a simple row of shrubs, and that's wonderful. That's fine. But I think if we put one thing If we put one thing into our landscapes, not only will your plants grow well, they'll grow better, and they will benefit you more. This one thing is so simple. uh, It's sort of a secret, but it's so simple that you're probably not really going to think it's a secret. I told somebody who came to the nursery, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flyer Branch, where you can find me throughout the week, but uh, this customer came in and said, you know... I go through the box stores and those garden centers and the big chains. And he said, you know, you've got half dead plants here and browning here and definitely dead plants towards the back. And it just doesn't seem like, but your plants always look so good and wonderful and growing and healthy. And he said, is there some kind of secret? I said, there is a secret. I said, there really is a secret. And this is the same secret that I'm sharing with you in your landscape. I said, but this secret is so simple. You won't believe me. And he started guessing. He said, oh, well, you fertilize them? I said, sure, we fertilize them. He said, well, it's watering, right? You, you got to water. I said, yes, of course we have to water. This, that's no-brainer stuff. Even the box stores need to be watering living plants. And he gave up. He said, fine, just tell me what you're saying. Said, I said, it's all more simple than even what you're saying. He said, okay, what is it? I said, it's love. Love. Show your plants love. I mean, you know, raising a kid is a lot like raising a garden and plants in a way. 
They need certain things. With a baby, you got to feed them. You got to change them. You got to wash their clothes. You got to do all these things. And all of that's just necessary for them to, to be living, right? But really, the raising of people, the raising of plants, the raising of any living creature is love. Show them love. So this spring, I hope you take this first day of April as a good opportunity to show your garden some love. And we are going to talk about that today, sort of. We're going to talk about certain plants today. We're going to talk about uh, building certain things in the landscape. We've got a big show today. Um, We'll just jump right in. I want to start by saying that every year for the past few years on this program, around this time, I've I've been giving you a regular discussion on a certain group of plants. And I do this particularly because I love this group of plants, and most people do. Most people do. Uh, Even if you just see a picture of this flower that this plant produces, you are going to want to know more. The plant, the well, the plant's beautiful, but the flowers are really why we grow this. You know, we were talking about growing plants as cut flowers, and this one is a great cut flower, but it is a perennial plant. And this plant, like I said, if you don't know what it is, but you even see a picture of it on Facebook or Instagram, you're scrolling online, and you don't know what it is, you you will want to learn more about it and find out what it's all about. And this plant is known as the peony. Now, some folks around here in northeast Georgia, uh, the southeastern states, they will call them peonies, like my granny did. So we've got peonies, peonies, they come from the genus Paeonia. doesn't really matter how you say it. Uh, if you're saying peony or peony, it's the same plant. So I will, I will use the word peony because that's how I say it. But uh, hopefully you'll know what I'm talking about if you usually say the word peony. But the peonies are considered herbaceous perennials. Now that means they return year after year. And folks, when it comes to peonies... They not only return year after year, but every year that they return, they get bigger, they get stronger, they have more uh, stems, and at the end of every stem is a flower. And so with that being said, the more stems you have, the more flowers you you will have. Now, if you're used to buying peonies as small little roots in little bags, they sometimes are sold as bare root plants. So they're not in a pot. There's no soil around them. They're just like a bulb, even though they are really rhizomes. Um, If you're used to buying those young, small roots, it may take several years after you plant it for that plant to bloom. And then several more for it to bloom well and have plenty of bloom sets. But at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flower Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week, we have a number of peonies. And they are all grown in containers on super large roots. So these plants never fail us as far as blooming in their pots year after year. The great thing about buying peonies in a container, no matter where you get them from, is that you can plant a peony in a container any time of the year. But most likely, if you're planting a peony from a root, from a bare root with no soil around it, the ideal time is going to be to plant those in the fall because they need to be set. uh, We'll talk about this a little later. They need to be set in the ground at a certain level and they need a time of chilling. The thing about peonies is that they are a cooler season plant. They don't necessarily love our hot weather, 
So we have to be very selective. We'll talk more about that. But we can't grow every peony that exists here in the South. There's a few parameters that we have to think of. Um, However, they do like the cold weather, and the cold weather will stimulate them to bloom well the next year. Uh, If if they grew in a hot climate, tropical climate all the time, you'd probably see that they, they just don't perform that. So they are a temperate type of plant, a temp- temperate climate where summer is summer and winter is winter. And of course, depending on the number of hours of heat you get or the number of hours of chill you get, that may dictate which types or varieties, cultivars of peonies that you would be growing. But peonies in the South, at least, are a spring bloomer. And I like to talk about peonies this time of year because, particularly at the nursery, uh, being grown in a container, some of them we keep in the greenhouse, we get earlier blossoms than you would in the landscape. But folks, they are popping right now. This weekend, they are popping and they will continue to do so till after Mother's Day. Now, it doesn't mean that every plant, every plant you have is going to bloom from Uh, late March, early April, all the way to Mother's Day, there are different groups of peonies based on their blooming time. So let's go ahead and talk about selecting peonies for the South. The number one requirement for growing peonies in the South is going to be to select select plants that are going to be early bloomers. And here's where this is important. Because within the early bloomers, you have early, early bloomers, and you have early mid-bloomers, and you have early late-bloomers. And that's how you're going to increase the number, of, or the number of weeks that your peonies are blooming in your landscape. So we'll talk about a few specific things. I know we're coming up on a break. We'll talk about a few specific plants uh, later. But I do want to say that if you have, say, an early, early bloomer, she may bloom for a couple of weeks, and then she's done. That's the thing about peonies. They don't rebloom. They set their flowering buds the year before uh, down deep in the root system, and then that particular stem and flower bud will open, and then it's done blooming when it's uh, matured. So then if you add into your landscape the early mid-bloomers and the early late bloomers, then you have blooms from this time of year all the way to Mother's Day. So one peony in a landscape is never enough. If you're going to grow peonies in your landscape, you need to be sure that you are, of course, selecting good varieties, which, of course, local folks like us at Lanier Nursery, we already do that uh, for you. So it's a no-brainer. You come in, pick the flowers and the colors you like, and go with them. But if you're buying them online, be careful. Be sure to look that they can work in the southeast. Um, And then, of course, make sure you've got a number of cultivars that are blooming across the span of about nine weeks or so. When we get back from this break, more about peonies and building things in your landscape. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at newsoutherngarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about what we're giving growing peonies a go. I like to give you a reminder in the early part of spring that growing peonies are wonderful. They sort of come with with a bad name of being hard to grow in the South. But there's just a few things that you need to know. Now, we've talked extensively about peonies, and we'll do so year after year. So if you'd like to look at um, some previous episodes from years past where we talk even more details when it comes to growing peonies in your landscape, uh, be sure to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com and also on Facebook and Instagram and anywhere uh, you get your podcast because uh, this show is also a podcast online, which means you can listen to it on demand if you need to catch up uh, in the New Southern Garden universe. <laughs> well, feel free to do so. Um, but we have talked extensively in the past, so I'm going to give you a summary of some of the things we need to keep in mind when it comes to peonies. Of course, peonies are these very large blossoming flowers uh, produce large blossoming flowers. They are very, I like to call them Instagrammy. You know, everybody on Instagram puts up these gorgeous pictures and they put filters. And Well, these peonies don't even need filters. They are just super showy. And if you get stuck in any of the following any gardening group or flower person, you are sure to come across plenty of peonies, particularly pretty soon. So these flowers are super Instagrammy and are wonderful. They're wonderful when it comes to uh, giving a huge blossom show in the spring. And again, like I said, every spring that they return, which they will for many years, decades even, they will be even stronger and and more showy. You do have to divide them every now and then. Uh, some people say if you divide them, they won't bloom again. It's not really true. I mean, this is how producers uh, produce peony rootstock is by division. And so it takes a few years to maybe get them back up to that big showy stage. But um, they do take a little bit of division in order to be healthy and reinvigorated, rejuvenated, if you will. Uh, but regardless, that idea that peonies are hard to grow in the south is really just not true we just have to keep some things in mind they uh let's see we need to choose our selections well that's number one we need to be very selective on the types we use then we need to make sure that they don't keep wet feet that the soil they're planted in is free draining and does not have any standing water We'll talk about how you can correct that shortly, make sure that happens. And then uh, number three is we got to keep in mind they don't love summer. They don't love extreme heat that we get in the South. So we're going to talk about uh, what to expect from your peonies when summer comes. But let's talk about the selecting part because this is critical. Not every peony is going to do well in the South. So you need to look for varieties like we I sort of mentioned earlier that are early blooming early blooming varieties of peonies are usually going to perform best in the south and within the early group you have some that bloom early early the earliest uh, end of blooming then you have some that 
bloom in the middle of the early time for peony blooms. Then you have some that bloom late in the early part of peony blooming season. So again, our season for peony blossoms is usually starting now all the way till sometime after Mother's Day. So we're, we're talking maybe a couple of months even. Maybe by the 1st of June, you still have a few petals remaining. So you might get a couple of months out of your peonies in the south if you select them well and pick some that bloom at these different times. So with once you're selecting is over, and again, if you're buying from a local nursery, they've done the selecting for you, or they should have. Uh, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, Randy's uh, Water Gardens and Perennial, Randy's Perennials and Water Gardens in Lawrenceville, there's several places that sell peonies. Um, I like to say, though, that at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, we have the best selection ever in the Northeast Georgia because we have, I think this year is going to be 24 different varieties of peonies, the largest variety group of peonies we've had, and of course, maybe 500 plants total. So um, this is the time of year you'll be seeing them in the garden centers. Select them well. Talk to folks who know about them. Don't just go online and buy what looks pretty because it may or may not uh, do very well in our area. Then, when it comes to planting them, I'll give you the, the critical steps here. I've already mentioned that peonies, our step two, <laughs> our uh, problem number two, is that they don't like wet feet. They don't like excess moisture. So you don't plant peonies on the edge of a pond, okay, or even a water fountain. You don't plant them where there's excess water. They're not a water plant. If they have these thick, fleshy tubers uh, that are their root system, that really is the plant itself, everything, uh, feeding roots and shoots, come off of this fleshy tuber. So if that stays in water, kind of like a potato, they just rot. They get moldy and they're gone. So free-draining soil is wonderful. Don't put them where you know standing water is. But if you want to increase the draining potential for peonies, uh, they're actually fairly drought tolerant as well. They can dry out a little bit and still be okay. They would rather be on that drier side than on the wetter side. So in order to make sure your soil is free draining, drains well, you can and should incorporate some coarse uh, organic matter. It could be compost, could be manures. Uh, that's probably not as coarse as soil conditioners and whatnot. But if you add that to your planting area, to your peony beds before you plant them, that is going to increase the drainage. And another thing you can do is to plant them on a shallow mound. Keep them on a hill, sort of. It's okay if you do that because that allows the plant to find areas down below where it can grow. If you are forcing a peony too deep um, or too close to, say, the water table, then you are forcing it in an area where it's not going to do well. Plants' roots can always grow down, but they rarely grow up, okay? Roots are attracted to gravity, so they're going to go from the top down into the soil. So planting them fairly shallowly is important when it comes to that. As a matter of fact, just like an iris, you know, we don't plant irises very deeply. Sometimes you'll see the roots, the rhizomes of the iris sitting on top of the ground. Sort of the same with peonies. It would be better for their top little root area to be exposed rather than to be forced too deeply. So we're not planting um, peonies very deep, particularly because it could be too wet down below. So with that in mind, let's talk about the last little point uh, that kind of gives these peonies a bad reputation in the South, and that is the summer. They don't like hot heat, and they 
will respond accordingly to it. So it never fails. Every year, about July, starting in July, definitely into August, people will call me and say, my peonies are dying. And I'll say, no, they're not. Your peonies are going dormant. They respond to the heat and the extreme summers we have by going dormant, just like oak trees and maple trees go dormant over winter. They drop their leaves. Well, your peonies will do the same. So a quick timeline before we go to this break of a peony in the south. They, they start popping up this time of year, maybe even a little earlier than now for some varieties, and then they start to swell with their buds. Their buds start getting bigger, the leaves get bigger, and then they flower, and they're flowering starting now all the way into May or so, but then when they're done blooming, uh, they'll try to make these little seed pods that we need to trim off, and then we can fertilize it. Then as we get closer to summer and it's getting hot, it's getting dry, et cetera, et cetera, that's when that's when we're going to see the plant really respond and change. Those once beautiful deep green leaves are now starting to get spots. They're starting to turn yellow, and eventually they will start to turn brown and crispy. And that's the point when you call somebody like me or your local nursery or your county agent and you say, what's wrong with my peonies? They're dying. Just know that your peonies will go dormant early in the uh, summer. (laughs) Definitely when it starts to get hot, they are going to drop their leaves and there'll be nothing there except their very strong root system underground. So be sure when you're growing peonies that you are giving other plants a chance to fill those gaps and voids. Cat mints, maybe even daylilies that bloom in the summer. Roses and peonies work well and grow well together. But uh, the peony will survive. It will live. It just goes dormant early. Well, folks, when we get back from this break, I'll talk just a little bit more about some of my favorite varieties of peonies, and then we'll talk about building a dry riverbed in your landscape. Hang on tight, gang. Stories untold come to Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, do you have any peonies in your landscape? Maybe you're just joining us on today's program here on New Southern Garden, but today we've been talking a bit about peonies, and I've already mentioned I try to talk about them once a year, this time of year, so that you are familiar with them. Because even though some folks think they don't perform well here, there is a series of considerations we have to take in hand and I've already given you those, so if you've missed part of this program, be sure to check this show out. This particular show we're having today will be online at NewSouthernGarden.com pretty soon and on your podcasting apps. And you can find every episode of this program online that we've ever had. So if you'd like a 
crash course. It's really not a crash course. We've got like four years here. So if you want an in-depth discussion on pretty much any gardening topic, you can find it there at NewSouthernGarden.com. But when it comes to peonies, I was going to leave you with one last note on this topic, and that is a few of my favorite varieties. And I will give you some um, within this list. I'll give you some that bloom early, some that bloom mid-season, and some that are going to bloom later in the peony early season. I know that's confusing if you're just joining us, because in the South, we're going to use peonies that bloom early, but within that are three main groups, the early, early bloomers, the mid-early bloomers, and the late, early bloomers. So some of the early, early bloomers are really some of the prettiest colors that I've ever seen in peonies, and those are the coral colors. Now, you know, coral is a strange color because it's somewhere between pink and orange, actually. So if you were to find coral (laughs) on the color wheel, it's going to be somewhere between red and orange, somewhere with some pink to it. And the corals are just outstanding. Many of these corals are multicolored, too. What I mean is that they open up a certain shade, but then as the petals mature, they may fade to a different shade of that coral. And while you've got multiple blooms, some are just opening and some are finishing on the same plant, you'll have this variety of beautiful colors. So some of these corals that we love so much are the coral charm and the coral sunset. Now I mentioned that these corals tend to fade a bit to other shades of colors. And so the coral charm, it comes out a nice, that orangey um, pink color, and then it will fade to sort of sort of a, a, a yellow, if you will. Um, and then the coral sunset will come out that orangey coral color, uh, but it will also fade to sort of a peachy tone. So just a little sweeter, if you will. And then there is one that's another coral called pink Hawaiian coral. And it's got a good bit of pink to it, and it does some fading as well. But these three in particular, it, t- it tends to be that the coral-colored Uh, peonies are really early bloomers. They are the first ones to bloom at the nursery, and they really kick off the peony season with a beautiful show. Now, there is one color that is very, very hard to find in the peonies. You see, most of the peonies are split into sort of three different groups and shades between them. Pinks, whites, and uh, reds. Those are the main colors. Now, there are shades of those and sort of mixes of those. They're sort of mauve colored, if you will, pushing the purple, but really it's a red. But yellow is very hard to find in the peonies. But luckily, there are a couple, and they do great in the South. One of the earlier yellows that blooms is the lemon chiffon. Lemon chiffon peony. It's a great shade of yellow. It's actually more of a uh, meringue, like a, if you think of a lemon meringue, you know, <laughs> it sort of reminds you of that. Sort of a creamy yellow, okay? It's, it's not a harsh, violent, neon yellow by any means, but this one is a nice, soft yellow, and it is chock full of petals. Uh, pretty much all the ones we've talked about have doubles, uh, sets of petals, so you get these huge flowers with huge flower power. Now, if you're looking for white... You know, white is a classic color. As we move through the season of blooming, uh, next up in line is some of the whites. And one of my favorites is 
tried and true. It's super dependable. It will do great in the South. They always have, and they probably always will. That's the Festiva Maxima. Festiva Maxima is a pure white with a fleck of red in the middle of the flower. So you get a pure white with these little red flecks here and there. So it's not straight white, but it does have this high contrast with those rich, like, like you took a brush stroke with red paint and just painted them here and there towards the center of the flower. That's Festiva Maxima. Now, I do want to mention one that is in the whites, but it's more of a creamy white. Really attractive, really classic looking, and that's Duchess de Namur. Duchess de Namur. Now, that, of course, is a French name. I'm sure it derives somewhere in France. I don't know much about Duchess's history, but she is a creamy ivory white. But let me tell you, just like many of the peonies, this one comes with a fragrance. However, Duchess de Namur is probably one of the most fragrant that you're going to find. Sweet fragrance on these peonies. Not all of them are heavily scented, but the Duchess de Namur is. Now, back to the yellows, because I mentioned that yellow is hard to find in peonies. But if you want something super bold, we're talking flashy. The Bartzella peony, which is actually a hybrid, one of the few that is, is a, a a really cool plant because it's been hybridized. Well, the Bartzella, it's a great name. I mean, it comes from uh, somewhere, I think Japan, somewhere out in Asia area. Uh, but these hybrids that are particularly being produced in Japan come with a great vigorous plants and large blooms. Uh, not really fragrant. Bartzella is not fragrant, but her petals are neon yellow. They are super flashy. And the center of it is sort of a circular red splotch. So it's not a pure yellow, but for all intents and purposes, the majority of the petal is, the supermajority of the petal is this neon flashy yellow. And it's like a highlighter running through your landscape. It's wonderful. It's superb. And they really don't have any problem. They, they're a bit more vigorous because of their hybrid nature. Now, we couldn't leave uh, the list of peonies without a red. So one of the best reds you'll find is going to be red charm. And red charm is tends to be a later bloomer like Bartzella. And it is blousy, full of petals, tons of petals, um, and it is a sort of cherry red. It is a bright red. It is a true red, not something kind of washed in the mauve world or pushing purple, uh, but red charm is a true red and truly is a charm in your peony beds. I should mention one that I really like. It's maybe not my favorite, but it does have um, a, a pretty color, and that is Albert Neva. You know, I love plants. When we talk about plants that are named after a person, I just love that. Nowadays, some plants are getting these frivolous names, I call them just kind of ridiculous, like Popberry Fizz and stuff like that. <laughs> but when we have plants that were named after somebody like Mr. Albert Neva, uh, it brings in the history of these plants, you know. So Albert Neva is considered a red, but not a true red. It is pushing towards the purple just a bit. It is that mauve -y color. It is that um, maybe considered burgundy, but I don't know. It's, it's, 
it definitely has a, a tint of purple to it. And it is a good bloomer. Uh, probably not the largest flower you're going to find, but still is a very interesting uh, flower. So folks, when it comes to growing peonies in the South, don't let anybody discourage you. We just have to be smart about it. And every time I talk about peonies here on New Southern Garden, I'm going to remind you to be on the lookout for varieties and cultivars that perform well in the South, particularly those that bloom early, because if they don't bloom early, they may struggle uh, as our temperatures start going. They will go dormant. They will drop their leaves in the summer. So it's important to have them planted with companion plants, things that will continue blooming and kind of cover up their uh, going dormant leaves, those brown leaves. And then, of course, we just have to make sure that we don't keep their feet wet. Peonies like to drain well. And, of course, in our clay-based soils that you will find here in the Piedmont, uh, that is hard to come by. So using uh, organic matter, using soil conditioners in those planting beds for your peonies is going to be critical. And then, of course, planting them on a hill or a mound. And that's pretty much the summary of all you need to know. But like I said, we've talked about peonies year after year. This is just that time of year. So be sure to check out this program online at NewSouthernGarden.com and, of course, on all your podcasting apps on your smart devices. Now, the last, uh, the last thing I want to talk about today for the remainder of the show is something that I'm working on. I thought it would be timely just because of that, and I've realized it's something we haven't talked about much, and that is creating a dry riverbed. Now, some time ago, we did a program, I think, Mr. Producer, we called that one, um, Working with Water, Working with Water in the Landscape, because when you have... Uh, slopes and hills like we do here in the Piedmont, um, you, you do have to work with water. It's very difficult to work against it. So you have to be able to move it and channel it in appropriate areas so that it's not washing out a bank, causing erosion. Um, you want to make sure that, I mean, water is a force of nature to be reckoned with, is it not? It is strong and powerful. One tiny rain droplet doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you have all of the rain droplets added together, and of course when we get those monsoons, we don't call them that here, but we, you know what they are, those uh, thunderstorms and heavy rain showers, it can just dramatically change the way our landscapes look, and it can uh, cause a lot of damage. So Dry riverbeds um, are one way to work with water in the landscape. But when we talked about working with water in the landscape last time, I didn't necessarily tell you how to build one or how to make one. So other than from a water direction standpoint, channel system, if you will, you're essentially embracing an area where water naturally moves and just securing it with stone. Other than it being very functional, a dry riverbed can be very attractive. It can be a critical uh, point, a critical feature, if you will, in the landscape, much like a water feature could be or an arbor or a pergola or something like that. A dry riverbed creates an Another opportunity for different types of plantings, groupings of plantings, you know, think of it as uh, planting even in and amongst some of the rock that are in your dry riverbed could be a wonderful thing because, of course, those plants are going to help soften the architectural aspect of the rock and rock beside leaves and foliage and flowers even creates this great contrast 
in texture. And we talk about texture a lot on this program when we're talking about using plants together. And it definitely is a textural component anytime you have rock in the landscape. So let me give you a little background before we go to a break about my situation. I am building a dry riverbed. When we purchased our property, our house, there was this area that leads into the backyard where the pool is and uh, some other things. Now we have a playground. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. We have a playground too. Uh, So it's kind of critical to get from the back of the house to this recreational area. But unfortunately, the water has been directed and is heading right across, cutting off the path that would normally run straight from the house to the uh, backyard recreational area. And so with that problem, we've had to embrace it. We're just embracing that. We have sort of a land bridge across a pipe where the water will run underneath the pipe and then above the pipe and below the pipe, we're creating a dry riverbed. So I'm going to give you some ideas and tips on installing a dry riverbed and some of the things you may need to think about before you actually start moving rock into that space. Hang on tight, gang. We'll be right back with more. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So gang, welcome to the final segment of today's program here on New Southern Garden. Of course, we are here every Saturday at 10 a.m. on WRWH 93.9 FM and of course at 8 o'clock at night. So if you miss us in the morning because maybe you were sleeping in on a nice drizzly Saturday or just had a rough night the night before, I don't know why. You can always find us later, of course, in the evening, but you can find us online, too, at NewSouthernGarden.com and on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Of course, your podcasting apps, that's where you can just listen to every program we've had at your beck and call on demand, as they say. Uh, We'd love for you to stay engaged with us because, of course... Uh, Here on New Southern Garden, we want to be helpful to you, and so we try to give you these shows that are full of inspiration and education or information, but then, of course, we want to help you specifically. So at the end of the month, every Saturday, the last Saturday of the month, we go to the mailbox and mailbag uh, inbox, wherever you send us your questions, we want to answer those so we can help you specifically in your landscape. You can always submit a question at the website, NewSouthernGarden.com, but you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, send us pictures, videos. This is the time of year when we hear from you most often 
because things are growing. Not just are plants growing, but so are the problems like insects, disease that grow with them. (laughs) So we want to help you as specifically as we can. And then, of course, uh, dedicate time to inspire you and uh, give you the knowledge you need to grow well in your landscape. But today we've talked about peonies. And then before the break, we were talking about building a dry riverbed in your landscape, because in the southeast and particularly here in the Piedmont, where our topography is quite hilly. All right, we don't have flat land here like you may in South Georgia, Florida, or even out west where it's very flat in some areas for miles and miles. We have ups and downs, curves and bends, and water moves from high points to low points. And it will follow certain trails Water always takes the path of least resistance. It never climbs. It only falls, right? And so with a sloping topography, we've got to work with this water. And creating a dry riverbed can really help with that. But like I said before, it's not just functional. It's also very aesthetic. It's also very pretty and can be a feature in your landscape if you put plants around it well and create with the stone this beautiful masterpiece, then it will fit and look really amazing. So we're creating one at the house because we have some water flowing in an area where we don't want to fight it. We don't want to reroute it. We're just going to work with the water where it moves. And so I have laboriously been working on this project. We're actually using stone in the dry riverbed that we found in our soils. The soil we have uh, at our house is in a soil type that is known to be extremely rocky. And folks, we don't find just little rocks, little tiny bits of pebbles. We find boulders underground. (laughs) When we turned over our vegetable garden, guess what? We were chunking out a bunch of rocks. So those rocks we've collected are now being repurposed in a place where they can be enjoyed and also be functional at the same time. So the first thing we want to do, of course, with a dry riverbed, creating one, is to find where it needs to be. If you know where water's moving and you're tired of it being wet and soggy all the time, or maybe it's eroding, maybe the soil is starting to wash because nothing uh, is growing there because water moves so frequently or at such a fast rate. So you've got to define the area that you're going to uh, work this. And then what I like to do is maybe use uh, some spray paint on the ground and draw out a line of the channel of the dry riverbed basin, right? If you will, you're sort of creating this half pipe uh, so that water falls in and collects to the center and then follows down the length of this drain of this dry riverbed. So you may need to do a little light grading with a shovel. If there's some areas in the drain where it puddles and pools, then we probably need to shape that area so that water can flow rather than being stuck and holding on to some higher soil. So be sure that you are smoothing out the edges, making sure that the lay of the land, if you will, the shape of your dry riverbed goes from high to low and nothing in between between that is going to cause a small pond or a little puddle. So with that in mind, once you've shaped the land, sure you could go ahead and throw the rock in or place the rock strategically, but there is something you could do to maybe help you with maintenance in the future. If we put rock or stone right on top of the soil, with no barrier, then the stone over time will work its way down into the soil, which is not a problem. It's holding the soil. But also, 
being uh, having that soil mixed in with rock is going to create an area where weeds can grow. And folks, this is why we would maybe use a barrier in the bottom of our dry riverbed is because over time and probably that first season, <laughs> if you started one today, surely sometime this summer, you will have weeds starting to grow in and amongst the rocks. And if you want a clean look and you don't want an overgrown weedy rock pile, <laughs> then putting a barrier down in the bottom of the uh, dry riverbed is going to be critical. The barrier that I prefer to use is a landscape fabric, but it's woven. Okay, Some landscape fabrics are a solid sheet of plastic. Well, the woven fabrics are still plastic. They're not going to break down very quickly. Uh, some, I would probably break down sooner than some of these plastics. So keep that in mind. But the woven materials allow for a bit of water penetration. So water can seep into the barrier and into the soil, but also the majority of the water will be rolling across the top of that woven fabric down into wherever you are leading that water to go. So once you've shaped your dry riverbed, be sure to lay down a fabric of some sort, a weed barrier, if you will. That's all we're really worried about. And then we can start placing our rocks. Now, of course, we're using rocks at our place that we found in nature, that is under our soil in areas where we're trying to grow things that we don't need all the rock. But you may have to purchase rocks. I think at some point I will because I'm not digging enough rocks out. It's a lot of work. But if you bring rocks in, there are certain sizes and grades. But I'll tell you what looks most aesthetic. If along your dry river bed you place some larger stones, small boulders, you could have one big boulder at the beginning of it or at the end of it, or maybe right in the middle of it, but you have various sizes of these large rocks, and then you bring in a, well, I should say just bring in a few of those larger stones, but bring in medium-sized rocks in larger quantities, and then tiny smaller rocks in even larger quantities. And if you work these together, blend them together, you have this textural component, large stones all the way down to small stones. And that in itself is going to really make the dry riverbed into a feature. Then once the stones are placed, you'll be maintaining it uh, year after year, but you won't be doing much because the stones never change. If some stones slip or fall, you may have to reset them or place them. But then, of course, around the edges of this dry riverbed, you can plant all kinds of things. Now, in theory, a lot of water is going to move through this area. But if you use a barrier, you're not planting in the dry riverbed. So you don't have to worry about really wet feet. Really, it's like plants are growing on a ridge on the edges of the dry riverbed. And most of your garden perennials and even shrubs, grasses look great uh, with rock and stone. Some of these things are going to work really well. So with all of that being said, I know this is the end of the program. I hope that You've learned something today. Peonies and dry riverbeds. We will have more next week here on New Southern Garden. But for this weekend, give it a go. be sure to give it all a go. Grow well. Stay well. We'll see you next week for New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM. My name is Nathan Wilson. Take care. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at 
NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.